I'm fascinated by the way lions hunt. I was reading that the lionesses actually do the fair share of the work. Now the males, yeah, they're big. They got those huge manes. And their, their roar is incredibly scary. But it's actually the chicks you got to watch out for. <laughs> they don't have those manes. And so they can lie in the grass motionless like a statue. Now don't get me wrong. The males, they, they have a small part in this whole hunt. While the females are stalking their prey from behind, the king of the jungle comes from the front and gets all big and gets all strong and, and lets out a roar. Now, these roars can be heard from almost five miles away. That's a long ways, isn't it? Anybody that hears something like that, they run the opposite direction, right? So that's what the prey does. What they don't know is as scary as it sounded, that male lion, it's more bark than bite. So these prey, they're, they're going directly into the path of the real threat, the lioness. In other words, the prayer, prey's instincts were wrong. They were going where their gut chose them to go, but the mistake, it's counterintuitive. The right choice would have been to override their emotions and run towards the roar. This morning, I am hoping that all of us will hit the override button and run towards your fear. Last week, Paul was in Philippi, right? He's preaching Jesus. Demons are getting casted out. What happens? He gets tossed in prison. Is that the end of the story? No, Pastor Gary said last week, no, he was in a prison of what? Praise, right? Woo! Praise off his lips. Huh? The shackles, the shackles fell, the doors were open, amen, and people got saved. And so now, did they stop? No, they didn't stop. They're heading to the next town. We're going to Thessalonica. We're starting in chapter 17 of Acts, verse 1. We're going to read through verse 19. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollina, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. They are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word in all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. 
Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul to Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to, to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. I want everyone to see this connection of Paul's bravery towards the, the roar. So in Philippi, he's on his way to the place of prayer, the synagogue, and trouble started. So he heads to Thessalonica, some 70 miles away from Philippi. Where's the first place he goes to? The synagogue. What happens? A riot breaks out. He heads to Berea. Where does he go? Where's the first place he goes? He goes to the synagogue. People get saved because he heads there. He leaves Berea. Where does he go in Athens the first place? To the synagogue. This is what I love about Paul. And I love about Pastor Gary and the other, other two pastors. We understand that with persecution comes revival. Think about this. When Jesus died, Acts 2 records that 3,000 people accepted Christ. With the stoning of Stephen, persecution fled the church. However, the house of Barnabas came to salvation. Who is Barnabas? This is who Barnabas is. Barnabas was the first pastor to embrace Paul. When nobody else wanted to embrace Paul, Barnabas was there. Barnabas was the first minister to Paul. Barnabas was an arm bearer to Paul. Barnabas' name represents son of encouragement. Every pastor, every person in this room needs an encourager. Amen? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh-huh. As persecution gets greater, revival gets greater, the noise of the church gets louder. That's my first point. Pain is a microphone. Your volume gets louder as life gets harder. It takes only three weeks for Paul in Thessalonica before he gets charged for treason and for disrupting civil peace. Sounds familiar. I want you to see this parallel in Luke 20, Luke 23, verse 2. We have these overzealous Jews attacking Jesus. This is what they say. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Oh, Paul, Paul, you're just a misguided fanatic. Jesus, you're just a misguided fanatic. When we started this church a little over three years ago, my life turned upside down. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. I've never planted a church. I'm looking at Pastor, Pastor Gary and Pastor Nick and Pastor Zach like, what are we going to do? I didn't have my family anymore. One Sunday, I'm having dinner with them, and the next, we've become enemies. I could no longer be trusted by my parents, and my parents no longer believed in me, that I was called by God to testify of his grace and his mercy. 
No more, no more stop-bys, no more, hey, come on over. You need some leftovers? My flesh and blood stopped pursuing me. See, for some of us, that's, that's normal, but not for me, not just because I, I love my parents, but because I was a golden child. I have to admit, I was a golden child. I was fed with a golden, with a silver spoon, and it wasn't a silver spoon. I had to clarify it. My wife helped me. No, it was a silver fork, honey. And I said, why? Because your mom made you Eggo waffles until you were in high school, and she cut them all nice and perfect. And I got to admit, yeah, yeah, she did. And, you know, log cabin syrup only. <laughs> but I had to ask God, like, God, am I not honoring my mother and father? Like, did I really do something wrong? Do I have an invisible coat of many colors? Is this going to be my Egypt? But, but I want you to understand this. Suffering is not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. The more pain you go through, the louder you get. Think about it. Joseph spent how many years in prison for, for committing no crime? Right? And what happened to him? Did he give up? He didn't give up, did he? He weathered the storm, and he was put into a position not just to save a country. And I love this. This is what God does. He redeems us. He redeemed his brothers. He loved them. He had that opportunity to redeem them. Do you hear that roar? What is the roar you are hearing? For Jesus, we hear it, right? We're, we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating drops of blood. If there is another way, Father, if there's, if there's another way, take this cup from me, please. Take this cup. He picked up, but, but he didn't. He picked up that dreadful microphone, right? And he ran towards the roar. He used his influence that he had been called to. For this purpose, I have been sent. There are no shortcuts. You simply cannot go to Calvary without going through Gethsemane. It's the same for us. We're not called to save the world, but each one of us has a divine assignment. We do. Right? God says that we are royalty. We're not just ordinary children. No, we're his children. So what is Paul's assignment? Acts 9, 15 through 16 says this, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. There's two points. Don't miss it. He would be used powerfully. Who, who wants to be used powerfully? Huh? Uh-oh, but here's a catch. He would suffer greatly. See, Paul held on to that because we find out in 2 Timothy 3.12, I don't have this up, I wrote this down, all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. Woo! I'm thinking about our church, and I'm thinking about our mission, and I'm thinking about what, what, what are we going to do? I think that hard times, they're a passport that gives us permission to, to places we couldn't otherwise go, right? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. That's my second point. God calls us to go to places that, that are frightening, right? Just to, just to trust him. I, I believe this with all my heart. This is, if this is the only reason why we started the Rock Church, I, I'm understanding this right here. For there to be authentic faith, there must be mystery. And I am a control freak. I don't like mystery. Ask my wife. I don't like it. Running towards the roar can be excruciating. It can. And this is the funniest thing. You're like, okay, Aaron, give us like the, there's a guarantee, right? Like no money back. No, there isn't. There's no guarantees that you, 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 you run towards the roar and you don't get eaten by that big lion, right? 
But remember this, remember this, their failure is never final. It is never final. True bravery isn't feeling no fear. I need this, God. It's being afraid and then just moving forward, moving forward. Understanding it, but just moving forward. I recently read a story about the writer of the famous song, Let It Go, from the Frozen. Have you ever heard of it? Have you heard of the song? All right, everybody's heard it. I've heard it a couple times. Everybody see this right here? Now, I'm going to sit on this because I do do this, don't I, honey? I chase my, my daughter. We got two of them. Wow, I hope I don't get hurt. And, or rip my pants. I already did. Can you hear, can you hear those? Look at this. Look at, okay, it's not just this, this little car, all right? Frozen has become a culture. You see the eyeshadow that Mercy put on? Look at that. Oh, it's beautiful, all right? And it's not just that. It's not just that. We got, we got slippers. We got a toothbrush as well. Look at frozen, frozen, frozen socks. And then the best, my wife bought these. Look at these. Look at those. Look at them. Now, when, they, now we, when Sam bought them, she said, honey, I, I won't let her wear those outside because I know that you're fashion conscience. And, and so, it, well, luckily, luckily, Sam went to church with these and pastor's there. And pastor's like, I like them. I, I think she could wear them out there because she knows that I respect pastor. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that's all right. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll let her wear them. I, I actually haven't, though. So, so, but anyway, so the writer of this, this song, in 2013, it won an Oscar. The song was so good that it actually changed the, the course of the whole movie. Apparently, Elsa, she was this character in the movie who freezes everything, was supposed to originally be bad and stay bad. The slot, the, the slot where Let It Go fits into the movie was going to have a liberated and evil Elsa singing a song that was dubbed in the story outlines as, I didn't put this on the screen for, for Becky's sake, Elsa's bad song, right? You just fill in the bad song. <laughs> yeah. But when the directors heard Let It Go, they were so moved that they rewrote everything so Elsa could be redeemed. Kristen, the writer, also wrote 17 songs that weren't included in the movie. 17 times her songs weren't right. 17 times she heard no. Most of us would consider ourselves colossal failures, right? If we were shut down five or six times. Songs 1 through 17 were not good enough for the movie. But song 18, the movie wasn't good enough for the song. One thing I want you to know, confront. We either confront our fears or we're going to abandon our destinies. Success is not easy. And it's not, it's, it's not pleasant. But we have to persevere. Do we not? I think about Paul and I think he was never able to go back to Thessalonica, right? The hatred was just so much. But we have two books in the New Testament, First and Second Thessalonians, that he wrote. And I'm thinking, Paul... If you would have just stopped, if you would have just stopped and not faced your fears, we wouldn't have two-thirds of the New Testament. He was committed, was he not? So I read a text to Pastor Gary when we were in Vietnam that I liked. I don't know if you remember it, Pastor. It was, commitment is rarely convenient, 
And he looked at me and he responded, it's never convenient. Whew. Perhaps the roar that you're running after, it's not about something you're supposed to do, but rather something you're supposed to go through. Maybe it's chemo treatment. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe, maybe it's a loss of a job. Or maybe, maybe it's a wayward son or daughter. You fill in the blank. For my father-in-law, who was supposed to be here, and I wish he was here and he, he didn't show up, it happened two weeks ago. Um, he went into the hospital and got checked out and found out he has cancer. And so this Monday, I, I took him to the follow-up meeting, and on our way there, he, um, he, he apologized to me for, for being an inconvenience to him. And that oh, just... And I don't want to be cry so obsessively because that's kind of my nature. But I, 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 <laughs> I, th I think I think about the relationship that my father-in-law and I have had through the last three and a half years. And I think I told him, I said, "Dad, you're you're not an inconvenience to me. I will walk through the fires with you through this entire ordeal. And I'm praying, and please, people, pray that he will." come to know who Jesus is and that he will be a savior and that I will see him one day in all of glory. Amen. First yeah. Thessalonians 2, 1 through 9, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with the words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were Gentiles among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be burdened to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. So we're a little over three years old as a church. And I was, I was at Wellspring with Pastor for almost seven. And, and I thought about this all week long, like, God, what, what does the next five years look like? What does the next ten years look like with the people that I've, I've come to know as family? Amen? Are we a family? Yes. Oh, we are a family. And this is the thing that scares me the most. There's two things. It's that we will forget our lostness. Huh? We were once lost, right? We were sinners, right? Far away from God. And then we'll forget our foundness, right? Who founded us? Did we find God or did he find us? He found us. He reconciled us. The longer we're a Christian doesn't mean that the better we are. It just means we're better at giving grace out, amen? We pour out grace and we pour out mercy on others. Acts 20, 24 is my life verse. I actually haven't looked at it in a couple of years. 
forced me to do this. Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says this, to be sober-minded, be watchful. There's an enemy out there prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I just think, Paul, how, could, how can you balance all of it? How can you balance um, all the persecution? And yet you are gentle. Like, like a mother, like a nursing mother, you are gentle. That's the kind of church we need to be, right? We need to, we need to be facing our roars, right? We need to be heading towards them, but we need to be gentle to one another, right? When someone falls, we gently pick them up, right? We walk through the fire with them, right? We don't abandon them, amen? Some super wise person once observed that, the most, that most people die at 25, but they don't get buried until they're 75. Don't let your soul stop growing. And don't give in when, when, when your belly is growling and you, you, you want to hit the evac button, don't hit it. Believe that there will be a day that the thing that you're most scared of will be included in your highlight reel as a triumphant victory. Amen? Because see, the only true way to live is to run towards the roar. Let's pray. God, of all mercy and all grace, your spirit intercedes for us. When we can't even speak, God, you go before the heavenly throne, right? We have access to the throne room of God, our mediator, Jesus Christ. Oh, I thank you, God, that you, you would buy us back from our sin. God, there is someone in this room tonight, today, this morning, that, that needs you, that is afraid, God. I pray that they would run towards the roar. They would face their fears, God. They know that they're not alone, that you love them, and you're here for them.